0: there are people that count on me. My my wife and my my kids count on me. My brothers in the firehouse and the fire service and guys I hear I teach with. Somebody Somebody's always looking at you, man. You don't, a lot of guys don't even realize if you're at this conference today as a student, as an instructor, somebody is watching you. You are somebody's inspiration, man. There are people that want, that that would love to see you fail, man. So there's two sides to that. There's the people that are a thousand percent counting on you i I will not let those people down like dorval said today i will not i will not fail you and for the guys that are looking to to see you fall you will not see me fall i don't care how much it sucks I'll i'll never let you know how much it sucks sometimes you just have to put that normal face on and uh yeah throw it at me dog send it and yeah i'm gonna snatch your soul up
1: firehouse vigilance presents the weekly scrap a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Rock and roll. Here we go. Live scrap. Dagum Fire Conference, live Oak Texas. This is going to be the highest speed scrap ever ever attempted as we go for I think 12 or 13 guests, live audience, live Facebook audience. So get your questions coming. Uh, It's going to be the Facebook audience versus the Live Oak audience. And to kick it off, right into it, I've got Chief Andy Starnes, Chad Daly, Kevin Fluger. We're going to kick it with a a nice soft toss, a nice soft toss right out the gate. And how much do these conferences mean to the American Fire Service? Things like Dagum, things like the ones you go around and speak at. and and teach hot classes at, just go ahead. There's a microphone so that the, the Internet audience can hear you, and go ahead.
2: So you asked how much these mean? Yes. Yes. So to me, I travel quite a lot, and I see a lot of wonderful people, and I can tell you that you can go to large conferences and you can get a lot, but to me the smaller conferences have so much more value because we're able to sit here with you and discuss things without rush, without feeling like there's somebody waiting in line. I don't feel the pressure of the larger conferences, nothing against them because they're great, but here I feel it's more intimate, it's close, and we can talk without distraction. And also I feel a lot of times that you can ask questions that maybe you wouldn't get a chance to ask at a bigger conference because you don't get the time. And I feel thankful that you come up and actually talk to us because I learn just as much from you guys and gals as anybody, so I appreciate that.
3: I would say uh, whether large or small, I think conferences draw the same people, which would be the motivated individuals. So for me, it's a breath of fresh air to get out of my everyday world, come here with a lot of like-minded people so that I can go back and be met against the wall at home. Uh, It is what it is. Every job is the same. Uh, And and so, you know, yeah, I'm reinventing the wheel every day. I get, I get tagged with that all the time. But, you know, that, that's what I've done for 32 years. I want to keep doing it. And this just gives me more strength to go on because there's so many like-minded people at this, which also, for the, all of us, makes it so much more challenging when going to a conference like this to present or to teach or to pass stuff on. you got the, you got the cream of the crop a lot of the time. So that, that's a wholly, totally different uh, dynamic than uh, if you show up to a fire academy or or a bunch of people who were being paid to go right these guys are all here or paid to be here so totally different i love going to these and this is what keeps me going just that passion level this is what keeps me going for more than more than 32 years and more
1: all right and keep that mic even though it's loud here keep the mic up there in your face so that the internet audience yeah
4: what I like about them is just the convenience. I don't care if it's really big or small. Uh, that's the whole vision of this conference is just to be more convenient uh, for the guys that are here in this area. It makes it a little bit more convenient. We've got a lot of guys that are able to drive here today, go home tonight. So the more of these that do pop up, we're able to spread the same message that is happening at the big or small conferences, and that just facilitates things, kind of just being expedited a little bit quicker with this movement what we're trying to do with have the tip of the spear training, have the tip of the tip of the spear knowledge. Love it. All right,
1: any first question from the live audience? Also, challenge to the Facebook audience. Get your questions in. Coming down. First question, coming from the live audience.
4: I know you're a Chief Chief Starnes, and I'm unfamiliar with one in the middle, but I guess my main question is, is going from the company officer in the right seat, to me that's the best – job on the fire ground, how do you make, or how would you make the decision that ultimately made you become a chief officer?
2: Go ahead, my wife.
5: <laughs> I second that.
2: It's actually a funny story. I uh, The best job I ever had was the captain on engine two. I, I say that in my 25 years, the seven and a half years I spent on engine two, that's where I became a fireman. Um, those were the best firefighters I ever worked with. Captains, engineers, all the, the people that cycled through there wanted to be there. They made me better. They, they worked out every day. They were happy if they ran two calls or 20 calls. They tr- did something every day to make themselves better. I grew as a person, as a husband, as a firefighter. It was tremendous, wonderful experience, but I reached a point where my wife pointed out that I was complaining more than I was training. And I wanted to fix certain things that required me to either step up or shut up. And that required me to step up. And I will tell you that with each transition, you better peek behind the curtain. Because as you know, when you move up, there's a certain level of expectancy in your responsibility. You may not carry so much physical weight as you do a lot of responsibility and decisions. And you're not always respected nor liked for those decisions. But one of the reasons I chose to make battalion chief was to support the people I never did it for the money I wanted to look after people and I wanted to be someone that stood up for people even when certain things didn't go well and I've tried to do that my five years as a battalion chief it's not always been easy it's probably the most challenging job I've had Uh, but I can tell you that the 25 people that I look after I can lay my head down at night that I did my best to make sure they went home to their family and I took care of them but that transition is tough and if you don't prepare yourself for it it can be very difficult so anyone that's looking to promote make sure you understand once you transition that role it is a very difficult job but it's a worthwhile job but you need to put in the work not just the physical work but you need to understand what is what is expected of you when you do that
1: no no i wanted to because you just recently promoted correct
3: yeah, I did. Okay. <laughs> and, I mean, it, I, I don't know if it was by accident or not. I took, I've been taking the test for about ten years. For about ten years, but uh, it plays right into what you spoke to this morning, and kind of what he said now is just a different flip of the coin. That when I decided I really wanted to make battalion chief um, ten years ago when I started taking the test, I looked at my peers, other other guys my age, my time making chief. I'm like, shame on you. You sold out. You know this is the best job in the world, being a company officer, running fires, going to the front door. You sold out for money, shame on you. And uh, finally someone came to me and they said, shame on you, Chad. Like your wife, your kids have been watching you, knowing that you're going to work, running through doors of fires every day, responding to national events, doing this stuff. You've been putting them through hell. You probably won't even live five to 10 years past your retirement. Your, your wife and your family deserve that boost in income. I always said it was never worth the money until someone, he showed me a check, and he's like, stop being so selfish. And he also did it, you know, he boosted me up, he's like, you're ready for this, you need to do it, all that kind of stuff. Um, I didn't want to do it, I still want to go through the front door, I still want a baseball swing getting into the gym and bust that thing, (laughs) Uh, but it is what it is. So, um, that's just another flip of the coin, And, uh, and, and it made an impact with me, I never forgot it, that my wife and kids have paid the ultimate sacrifice for me, for you guys to know my name, and to be sitting here. It's huge. Oh, we're
1: good. No, and, and and I want to reiterate what Chief Starn said, which is 100% that uh, it will mess with your mind stepping off that engine. Because it said, it, to me, it was like, you're no longer a firefighter. You know, and I had, to, I had to wrestle with that immensely, and get right with that. And it took a year, probably a year. So, uh, that being said, here's the format for tonight. We've got, uh, I think, twelve or thirteen scrap alumni. They're going to rotate through here, and it's going to it's going to happen. Yes, it's going to happen every ten minutes, and then everybody's going to get thirty minutes up here. Kevin got the first ten minutes, and he'll get his tw- he'll get twenty at the end. But for now, Chris Snow is coming up to replace Kevin. It's going to happen every ten minutes. So just get 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 ready for it. Who's got the next question while he comes up? I want to see it. I need a hand raised or something. I need questions. You were dri- you driving this. Yeah, I'm coming. And there's no telling what this question is going to be. I have no idea.
6: If you had any advice for the new probationary firefighter going to a complacent shift, what would it be? A very specific question. go.
2: That you go. are you ready ok so first define complacent your definition or theirs your environment their environment you know what the definition of achieved is in my department a good firefighter you know how one point off of that could be marginal so I need you to think about the definition of complacent what does that mean to you does that mean you stop growing you stop training so if you're, an, if you're a a tree and you're planted in bad soil. Are you going to grow? Are you? So are you the only guy that wants to train in that environment? Let me ask you that. Yes, no. Are you the only one? Yes, no. You do. You know. Okay. It's your question. Is the whole depart? Is the whole station? it could be okay hypothetically then allegedly speaking if we're theoretically here i i see where this is going so there may be some people in the room that may be held accountable so let's move forward with this so allegedly or hypothetically speaking if you were in an environment where the entire environment was complacent can you bring the entire station up at one person could you corinthians says bad company will bring down good moral character paraphrase starns paraphrase there so they will beat you down with experience if you got one bad guy or gal you don't need to transfer if the entire station is very comfortable and doesn't want to do anything then you need to move there's lots of fire stations lots of shifts lots of other environments you need to try you don't need to try to beat them down yeah you should try to encourage them but uh but if you just got a bad call as far as somebody gave you that station because that was your turn or your transfer, your promotion put you there. You may have to ride it out for a little bit. You can ask my wife. When I got promoted to captain, you know what my prayer was? Lord, send me anywhere but station 31 B-shift. Guess where I got sent? It was like he said, oh, that's where you don't want to go? That's where you going. And I went there and I learned a lot in 18 months at the slowest station in the city. And I learned things I didn't want to learn but I learned them as a company officer, like discipline and how to handle conflict. And there's something to learn at every station. So till you get out, what is it there for you to learn? And then when you go somewhere, remember it's up to you to go hold yourself accountable. You can't bring them up to a level they don't want to go to. Or as my dad says, never let your expectations of someone exceed what they really are. Understand that not everybody is a type A plus person with a switch. Not everybody loves it like you do. And that's okay. But you need to find people like yourself. And Brotherhood's not dead. It's just geographically challenged. You may find another station just like you, okay?
3: Yeah, yeah. To add on to that, is your your career goes through, through highs and lows. And you're going to have lows. So you you have to tough through it. And what I tell everyone, I, I've had some of the best firemen bid out of my company to another company. And I was like, why would you leave me to go to that why would you go to that captain? What has he got? But you know what? It's made it makes for a better firefighter. Whether it's a good experience or a bad experience, as long as you digest it and handle it appropriately, it makes you a better person. It may not feel good going through it right now, but in a year or two or three, whatever it takes, you will be a better firefighter provided you deal with it appropriately, and and make it make you yourself a better firefighter through it. So, it. I mean, it, it's not it's not all good the whole time.
7: That's kind of hard to follow, but it's just as much your career, too, you know? The citizens still depend on you to do your job, whether the people you're with or not are going to do it or not. You still owe it to yourself to do it, so go ahead and do it.
1: Right on. on. Daggum. Someone someone talked
3: to me earlier. Someone talked to me earlier. As a young guy, how, how much time do you have on? Four years? Is there someone with the same time or less than you? Yeah, so it, you, you still have people that you influence, and it not, it's not always about time. It doesn't have to, it, it could be a guy, guy with 10 years who lacks somebody to motivate him. So regardless of your leadership or whoever you're working with, believe it or not, you can still be an influence. Uh, uh, I've worked with several people in our stations, uh, bigger, you know, like triple engine stations, where the firefighter was the leading drive and everything that went on in that house whether it's work extracurricular activities bringing us together as a family um and it wasn't a captain or a chief doing it so you still have influence uh, you, you may not influence the grumpy guy at the top but you you still have influence so
1: beautiful um i'm going to catch everybody up on facebook comments here because there's been quite a few which is this is awesome what a lineup sounds perfect uh, so fired up for this dagum! shots fired let's go this should be interesting um but i will say this so far the live audience is kicking the crack out of the facebook audience so who's got another question coming at the panel come around give me a second I'm getting skinny
0: so chief starnes following your uh speech today how much does your wife's opinion, her thought process, and overall ideology of your career weigh into how you move through your career and future decisions you make?
2: Honey, would you like to take this one? <laughs> See how I handle
8: that.
2: You can be right or you can be happy. Which one you choose to be? No, um, that's a great question. I was talking to a young couple earlier. I want you all to hear this. When you make decisions, one of the biggest mistakes I've made is making decisions without talking to her first. Mm. So you make you got married together, you make decisions together. You buy things together, you write your name on that check, you, you sign house papers together, but yet all of a sudden when you're in your career and you decide I'm going to promote or I'm going to transfer, I'm going to do something, you need to talk to each other. Because that may not be like your point about transferring or moving. It may not be in your family's best interest at the moment. There are guys I know go to slow stations for a little bit because they got two newborn kids and they need a break, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But as far as her weighing in, let me tell you something. Nothing more than the good Lord matters to me than her opinion. I don't care if you're the president of the United States or some big large conference and you call me, her opinion matters more. Why? Because I committed my life to her. And you better think the same when you go home. Because if you don't talk to each other and talk about your decisions and how that affects your world especially retirement ladies and gentlemen when you say i'm gonna retire and i'm gonna do this you better ask your wife what she wants to do because she may not want to go move to wherever you want to go and and become a part-time detroit fireman or whatever you think you're gonna do right that may not be on her bucket list but yes it's extremely important and you make decisions together to quote the movie my big fat greek wedding the man is the head of the household but the woman is the neck and she'll turn his head any way she wants to don't forget that
1: <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> all right coming at you from facebook i got a couple i got a few here to choose from uh i don't know about a good one here we go jonathan teg is asking and this is a either or so gun to your head type either or Um, obviously but in your in your opinion and I'll start with Chris at the end and come this way in your opinion what would you rather have under you as a company officer a passionate badass firefighter that you have to rein in often or a low key one that never causes issues
7: but doesn't have much fire either well learning from the great company officers I've been around especially my organization cuz I am NOT one I really can't weigh in a whole lot you can always just the passion-driven ones, I think, 100% would be the way to go for that. You can get the technical skills down. You can get all that going. But if you don't have a one or desire for the job, I just don't think you can teach that. You either have it or you don't. I agree. Uh, passion wins out
3: all the time. Uh, someone with passion, you can change their mindset. You can let them stumble and fall. Um, but you, you, you can't teach passion. Uh, you can't teach passion. So I, I, I 100% agree with that
1: love
2: it you hire for character and you train for competence right okay but i had a firefighter that literally needed a box that said in case of fire break glass <laughs> that's the only time you wanted him loose but but when it happened you wanted him but the rest of the time he was a, a supervisor leadership nightmare problem okay every book that's written about you know supervising advisory problems he's in it okay So you have to think about that. When you have extremely passionate people, if they're bored and they have nothing to do, you will have a problem. I can promise you that. You take four type A-plus firefighters with nothing to do in a fire station, bad things will happen. So you better keep those people busy. Look, they're all pointing. They know. (laughs) They know. So, yes, I take the passionate people, but you better keep them busy.
1: Don Sapp is coming for your seat, Mr. Daly.
2: No, nope, you, got,
1: you got ten more minutes. Yeah. Chief Daly will be joining us again at the end for 10 more minutes. But we got Don Sapp in here. I'm coming out. We're on the panel, this someone said this is a hardcore game of musical nuggets. I love it. All right, where are we at? Who am I coming? I'm coming. Coming to the back. Passing you by, hamster. Oh. <laughs>
8: We're going to stay with the, uh, the passion thing. Do you think uh, a company officer or even a crew can influence passion? I know you can't teach it, but can you influence on someone that maybe doesn't have as much as, as others? The whole panel.
6: Whoever's Yeah. Well, for the ones that know me, I got passion written all over my face. You know, I'm a passionate person, both emotionally and in the job. I feel I was reeled in. I was, I was that guy that break in, in case of fire, break the glass in case of fire. But I was reeled in. But I had a good officer that reeled me in, and I learned from him. And he, he took the time and the effort and the energies to take me aside and say, hey, there's a good way to do this if you want to do it, and I'm willing to teach. And, you know, that's why we're here this weekend. We're here to teach right and i'm willing i'm willing to listen if you're willing to teach and yeah passion is is it and you can you can corral it to a point but if you're like minded then we have to sit down and have a talk
7: but yeah absolutely yeah nailed it i mean honestly <laughs> but yeah all right hamster i'm going to revert back coming at you with the next question
9: all right, this one's mainly for Uncle Don. Uncle Don, I love you, brother. Hey, what keeps you so passionate to stay active in the fire service and keep training these young folks?
6: Well, you know, I really believe in my heart we're all designed to do something. We're all called to do something. Um, and I go, it goes way back to, and you speak to my mother, When i was two three four i had fire trucks at two years old three years old four years old and said i wanted to be a fireman i don't remember that but i just really believe it's something that god instills in you that you want and uh you you can't fake passion i think we've said that you know a couple times today passion can't be faked and uh you may be able to do it for a little while but I really believe the person that's passionate has a lot of good qualities and you can you can learn from that person and yeah I I love it I mean I've I've always loved it and I've just been lucky to everywhere I've been I've been on a company that's been a a pretty hot company so we stay busy I don't mind working so I can remember probably a six-month stint in my career where I was put out at an airport fire station Oh, man, that was the most miserable time in my yes. my life. <laughs> I know. I mean, as a firefighter. Now, hey, he, hey. he's got a different job.
2: Arf hey, hey. stands for Already Retired Firefighter.
6: That's right. Okay. Hey. But, I, but I, every day the chief would come out, and I would cover my name up. And he'd say, Young Buck, what's up? I said, Chief, I want to transfer. Every day he came and did his. And he, he couldn't even remember my name but i still kept the passion i still got to read i still got to do the stuff uh it was about six months it was a miserable six months but i actually got to go from there what is it from worst to first that's that's where i went you know so it's it's just you love the job and it's i think i really think it's instilled in you you know you can't fake it good
1: i know the question was for don but same question to chris and andy
7: yeah, I was caught up in his answer. Can you repeat the question?
9: So what keeps you passionate in the fire service and especially training, like, new people as they come in?
7: Y'all, places like this. The fact that I get to sit here next to Chief Starnes and Don Sat. <laughs> yeah. do I need to say any more right now, to be honest? There's so much unsung talent in the fire service, it's, it's not even funny. You know, we're just blessed for whatever reason God called us to be out here right now doing this in front of you all. I love being right where you guys are at just soaking everything up that's what keeps me passionate
2: ladies and gentlemen passion does not come from you you're given it for a reason and you won't be happy unless you do that so if you find something that you want to do like brother raymond talked about earlier that greatness is within you the reason that was given to you is because you have a calling placed inside of you whether you're husband wife mom dad firefighter whatever it is you will not be happy until you do any do that okay whatever it is you're called to do if you don't do that and use that gift you become bitter and you become cynical i have met hundreds of firefighters who were awesome firefighters who got burnt out within their department because doors kept getting closed in their face and they became bitter and cynical because they didn't get to use their gift you know who those other people i've met that are not bitter and cynical that have been passionate just like don here They got outside of their box because just because your sandbox didn't allow you to play there, they moved to a different playground. They taught at conferences. They went to other departments. And they got their batteries recharged from wonderful people like you. You may think that we're doing something for you, but you don't understand what you're doing for us. When I leave here, I come home with my batteries charged. And as uh, Brother was saying a little bit ago, it helps me go fight the other fights within my own four walls. So these are many mission trips for me, and you guys are the ones charging our batteries. So I give you a standing applause for what you do for us as instructors. You may think you're learning from us. We are blessed to be here and learn from you and keep our passion going, because when we see your eyes light up, we light up. That's what makes it worth it to me is to see that you are learning something, and I hope and pray you're going to turn around and use it and share it. Okay? that's where the passion matters so thank you for coming here and sacrificing your time and your money time away from your family to bless us with that because i'm telling you that's a small percentage of the fire service doing it and you are the future not us boom <laughs> love
1: it here we go next question coming at you from the audience gentlemen impact
10: who's had For each of you who's had the biggest impact in your fire service career i talked with don earlier don you're one of my dudes i learned a lot of what i've done in the fire service from you my dad and pat wilson who made the biggest impact in your fire service
6: career and why well i will say your dad because i've known your dad a long time Um, we're like-minded in many different i mean in many ways Uh, to, to work with him is it was truly an honor and because you know you, even though i'm the oldest bag of dirt here <laughs> i was he's older than me and I, I still learn from him what was his name just for the audience web yeah. yeah this webby jr and no. he got web okay yeah so web marshall but um he was i learned a lot from him and then there were the pat wilson's and the uh dean king's and uh you know, it's it's just there's just so many and especially in this day and time, I can't tell you how many times I've gone back and said, I wish I was forty years younger and had the opportunities that you guys have got to learn from the people that are here and that are people that are out there that you have access to with social media. When I was coming up they didn't have Facebook, they didn't have social media. They barely had a cell phone. You know, you had the big bell south Sal- Carry on your backbone, you know, and you know, so. But but you you guys have got so many resources to learn and pick up from, and and to have uh, mentors and things like that. But yeah, your dad and all those guys there, and so many others. I mean, now I get on the older ones, the ones that I watch online. I'd have never known about this man right here if it hadn't been for uh, Basil, you know. And from that point on, I, I wow, I was drawn in, you know. So there's many. And then your dad's right at the top of the list.
7: So with that kind of being loaded, Sir Marshall, I do have a couple. Uh, First off, my wife for actually supporting me with this crazy dream. First off, so thank you. And uh, second of all, where I came from, former Chief Roselle for giving me a shot. That was incredible right there in its own. And then getting things rolling. I wouldn't be here or knowing any of y'all if it wasn't for Brother Shane Bentley. Straight up, I could, there's no one else I can say on that one. Uh, without him, I would not be able to know you guys, not in the way I do. So I'm thankful for that. And those of who've had the biggest impact in my fire service career to date so far.
2: So uh, I, I had a unique experience as a young man. I grew up thinking I was going to be a fighter pilot. And I took the SAT and got a 700. And I said, well, you get 400 points for writing your name. This fire service thing ain't so bad. So I decided to be a fireman. And I chased my dad around because every time he came home from the, his full-time job, he got in a car to go to the volunteer fire station. And that's how I hung out with him. So from eight years old, I, my first monkey bars was a 1978 American La France. And my dad in this little tiny town of Monroe, North Carolina, had Brunacini, Dennis Rubin, all these people, I didn't know who they were, coming out and teaching us stuff. And I'm just listening. So I learned a lot from a very humble man with a high school education who's currently in the hospital. And I tell you what that cost him. But he was my role model for the fire service. But my role model for what influenced me now is my wife and my daughter. Because they are my them They are my crew, as he said. They're the reason I do what I do. And you, people in this room, are my main influencers. Because without you, I'd quit doing this. If I quit seeing the smiles, if I quit seeing the engagement, if I quit seeing people making a difference, I'd stop. Who wants to try to share something that no one wants to hear? But when I see you guys turn around and use that, and I get these, you can ask my wife, I get these positive emails from what y'all are doing. That's the best paycheck anybody can ever get. So if you want to know where that comes from, the influence, you guys are the future. That's influencing us to keep going. And those of you who are doing the speaking thing, do yourself a favor. Find yourself a Chris to make a replacement for yourself because we're not going to be here forever. It's all about succession planning. You got a Paul, you got a Barnabas, and you got a Timothy, okay? You got the mentor, you got the joker, and you got the young man who's going to take our place. Don't forget that. There you go, Chief Stars. (laughs) Nothing but mic drop moments so far. Thank you, sir. Officially,
1: the first 30-minute segment. Tom Hollett coming up with the musical chairs. 100%. Someone on Facebook said, is it too early for max points? And someone said, never too early. And then someone came in and said, it's max Dagums tonight. So you're gonna to have to shout, Max Dagums. Reframe for Tom. No. Reframe for Tom. Uh, I'm trying to find the earlier question from Facebook. It's come, here, here's a nice. It's, this is what I call a soft toss to you from Facebook, and it's. I'm trying to find who so I could give credit. Uh, Kay Bryan wants to know favorite training drills. We'll throw it to our newcomer. Favorite training drills. Go. Uh, anything
11: that you have to get out outside. <laughs> Anything that you got to get in your gear for, like that's it. Uh, Obviously, most people know that I love RIT, so I love any drills that pertain to RIT, too. But realistically, like anything that gets you in your gear that you have to get out and actually work, uh, it builds that bond so that the crew gets closer together. So it doesn't really matter what it is. Just get outside, put your gear on.
6: Wow. Um, Been a couple years since I've been in the fire service, but I still get to engage. I still get to do things, uh, and it's it's fun. Uh, I actually get to do live fire. I've always loved fire, and that, I think that was one of the questions that Corley asked us towards the end of our program, you know, uh, the nozzle or something else, and it's always the nozzle and fighting the fires, you know. Um, again, um, God has really blessed me with good health to be able to do this, and... To fight fire actually just to teach the live fire scenarios and to watch like Thomas and watch the guys in their gear and watch how they respond and watch what they do and how they react especially if you can get a young guy that's got zero experience or very little experience he has no bad habits so we can teach him it's sort of a loaded question it's half teaching half engagement of live fire but I I love live fire you know that's the passion. There again, that's the passion, you know. But I wouldn't be able to do this, and I'm going to go back, I'm throw back to, to the wife that I've got. She's a very, very, very understanding person. Um, she has encouraged me to do whatever it is that I want to do when most wives, you know, in the fire service wouldn't want their husbands to do this, wouldn't want to go away for a week to do this. And she's very understanding, and she actually likes when I come back home and actually tell them, hey, what did you do? And I tell them she's interested. So um, I'm a blessed man.
7: Beautiful. For me, it's going to be the first two responsibilities with your crew. I mean, you can go out there by yourself and throw ladders. You know, if you get a prop or something, you can stretch a line by yourself. If you're blessed to have a four-story prop, you can do that by yourself. That's great, fine, and dandy. But when you do it with your crew, you see each other's strengths and weaknesses. And you can sit there, and you can alternate. That's what our crew loves to do. We love it in the conversation that come after the fact. We might rep for an hour, but spend the next four hours talking tactics over it and applying that. So for me, I really like the first two uh, responsibilities with the crew. That's what I like to train on.
1: Beautiful. Beautiful answers. All right, looking at the audience. Who's coming next? Going to the back. Going to Humpy?
7: Was that not a hand raise? This could go anywhere.
11: How this best advice for a newly uh, promoted uh, company officer? Asking for a friend. Not for me. So best advice for a newly promoted company officer? Get it in your face. Yeah, I mean, honestly. Get I- it in your face. I think the, the best thing that you can do is you just have to show that you care. Like, if they don't know that you care, it's not going to work well. They have to see that you care. You have to show them in everything that you do and show them that you're going to be the harder worker too. Like, I know that a lot of us in this room probably came into the service and we weren't given that, that luxury. Like, I've, been, I've worked for a company officers that would just sit in the office and do computer work, right, and you'd be out there working. I don't think that's the right way to do it. Just like Kevin says, it's servant leadership, right? I might disagree with the way that we say it, but it's still the same thing. It's just leadership done the right way. you got to care first, though, and they have to understand that you care.
6: Nice. I think if you take the time to learn your crew, take the time to learn most everything about them. It's, it's just like Tom was saying You're going to dedicate time to them and take that time with them and show them that you care, and you may get a couple people on your company that come from bad officers, and don't be that bad officer. You you, you've got if you're newly made, you have a choice to make. You can either a bad officer or a good officer, and you can make you know you're at the at the split of the road. What are you going to do? You're going to be what he came from, or are you going to be that? That example, you know, people that know me know I, I'm all about example. You know, we're an example one way or another. We're an example, and I don't choose to be that negative example. Be that good example. Take the time with them, man. Show them that you care. Because if you've got somebody that knows that you actually really care, they can still be a, a ding dong, but they're gonna they're gonna take what you say and and they're gonna listen to you. And they're going to take it forward and say, you know, maybe that's not a wise decision. But you got to take time with them. You can't just go in the office. What'd you say, the computer? Yeah, the computer guy. No, don't don't be that guy. You know, Um, teach somebody else to do your computer stuff. Then you don't have to be the computer guy.
7: (laughs) Well, I've never promoted, so I can't speak on that. But if I was under you, I would say, don't forget where you came from and what brother web Marsh said earlier don't suck beautiful raymond you're up
1: chris snow everybody give it up he's the second person to finish his finish his moment in the hot seat getting replaced get your questions ready rap battle oh. Uh, All right, I got a question coming at you from Facebook, and everybody in the audience here knows what I'm doing, but for the uh, Facebook audience, I'm walking back and forth between the audience and the computer, and keeping it on schedule, just so everybody knows. Um, This comes from Adrian Ballard. He said, how do you feel about forwarding tradition of the fire service to new firefighters that feel they don't need to live by the old traditions? Forwarding old traditions... With the new generations. Go ahead. Who, whoever's feeling it. Yeah, just, just passing them on. See if you can
12: get – yeah. got to turn it on. Sorry about that. You got it. <laughs> I'm all right with new traditions. Uh, that's the same thing as making change or enacting change. So I'm okay with uh, – oh, that's the – I feel probably an issue with the fire service is change. That's a crazy word to bring up in any fire station. Um, Because if you try to go ahead and change something, we had a captain come into our station, Station 7, when he first got there. And he wanted to change a lot of things. The paint on the wall, the table, some of the pictures we had. We didn't understand it. Um, But there was never a conversation. So, I mean, they've been speaking about it all day. Conversations matter. Why do you want to make the change? Um, Explain to me, you know, where's... Where where would the change impact us, or how would it impact the station? Or, but when he did finally explain it to us, and the changes were made, we're like, damn, it's much better. I know we were opposed to it, but I'm um, I'm cool with tradition and all that stuff. But there's possibly a new tradition that a young guy can bring on that that can actually be um something that we can carry on.
1: I like so, it. I like it. that. Dom?
6: Firemen and change are almost not used in the same sentence, especially when it comes to traditions. Um, have changing the way we do something, the way we wash the fire truck, or do something at the station, or is is different than changing a deep, deep, deep tradition? And when you go in, coming in, trying to change deep traditions, that's pretty touchy territory. For guys and gals that don't like change anyway, you know, you have to be real selective in what you do. I mean I'm all about change if it's gonna be more effective and more efficient. But when you start talking about traditions that are deep rooted, man, you're you're talking about people I didn't do that tradition. The person before me didn't do that tradition. It it was probably back sixty years ago. And we're talking about redoing traditions from sixty years ago. Some changes are good, some changes you need to think about a little bit. Matter of fact, talk to somebody, you know, if, if you're married, like like Chief Starr said, hey, I'm thinking about going into the station, I just got promoted, I'm thinking about changing some things, what would you feel like if somebody came in into your office and wanted to change blah, blah, blah? And get her impact, because, you know, wives' impacts are they're are pretty impactful, <laughs> you know, and you better listen. So um, I just think traditions, you're, you're real touchy on traditions, but on things that, I don't want to say don't matter, but on things that are not as serious as deep-rooted traditions, work with them. You know, see see what the benefits are. There's benefits to change. Even though we don't like it, there's benefits.
11: So uh, tradition in the fire service is, is what we love, right? We love the traditions in the fire service. Uh, You know, I can speak personally from the experience that I've I've been at a department for nine months now, uh, and the chief is sitting in the audience, and he is huge about pushing when we have a new person coming off of probation that we have a ceremony for them. That was not done previously, right? And he's the one that put it out. Another shift started it. Chief said, hey, man, we need to make sure that we're doing this, right? Uh, We just did one last tour for uh, one of the guys that got off. And it, it was huge for that person, right? Sets the tone for the rest of the career. Uh, so I think that it's very important to not only continue the traditions of the fire service, but also figure out what those traditions are for your department specifically and carry those on because it's going to be that legacy that you're going to leave behind too, right? That's that's where we're all headed towards.
12: Just to finish off on it is, um, don't just is don't just say because this is the way we do it. You better know your history. If you truly want to be invested in that tradition, understand the history behind it, so that way when they ask you, why do we do this? Oh, because it's been done this way forever. That's not an answer. And that's not an answer for a probie, not an answer for a five-year guy, 10-year guy. You have to be able to answer them sophisticatedly so they can understand this is why we do
1: this tradition and that's why we apply it every day. Love it. All right, who's got the next question? I need to see a Oh, right over there. It's coming from Blake. Hamster, you're officially the uh, host of The Scrap right now. Go interview Blake and these guys. I'll be back.
9: (laughs) That was not a good idea. I don't know what I'm doing, but, hey, we'll do our best.
13: (laughs) Can we play an ad at all? Is there a way to play an ad? So my question is this is, For you, what is the pinnacle of your career, and did you reach that, or have you reached that, and if not, what would it be? Any, all three of you guys.
11: (laughs) So uh, I don't know that there's ever a pinnacle of a career. I've not reached it, so uh, maybe there is. Um, The last uh, few tours, I guess the last couple months, uh, the three lieutenants from my shift and myself were going through the 9 L's. And we would meet on the second day of every tour, and we would go through one chapter at a time, one L, right? And when we were talking about it, uh, it kind of came up about drive and that there is really no end, you know, that we're always pushing for whatever the next thing is. Uh, you know, like Dorval likes to talk about throw that ladder one more time, right? Pull that line one more time. I don't think that there's an end, because you can't ever, like, if you want to be good at just the basics, man, that, that's a lifetime, lifelong goal you know, to reach. So I, I honestly, Blake, I, I wouldn't think that there is a pinnacle for me. Now, maybe later on, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, I might have a different answer, but that, that's where I'm at right now.
6: Being in the fire service as long as I was, I don't know, I'm like Tom, I don't know that I reached a pinnacle, but I had many, many, many good days, many good shifts, many good experiences that man they were awesome i mean it, it and there's no way to explain it other than if you love your job that's what you work for that's what you get that's what you get to do you don't have to do it you get to do it and that's that's what makes it fun is you know you go in every day you try to go in every day with a good attitude and you hope that you can affect somebody or infect somebody with a good attitude and it's there's like, Tom, I don't think there's a pinnacle, but there's many good days. There's many good shifts. There's many good outcomes uh, when you get to see somebody that you pulled out a burning vehicle and they come by the fire station and they thank you. Man, I'm on cloud nine for at least two shifts, you know. But then you turn right back around and you have another crappy shift, and that sort of brings you right back down to why we're here, you know, we're to serve people, you know. So
12: obviously, I'm only on my fifteenth year. I don't have a, an established pinnacle, but, but what I can say, there are moments within your career that you do reach. Um, I don't know if you guys ever read the back step. So the back step talks about that that member who reaches that um, senior senior man level. That is one of the pinnacle steps that you you hope to establish in your career. So when you do reach that level as a senior man, now you got members, junior members coming to you, asking you questions. That's a step. So that's a level that you wish to you wish to get there. There's a lot of places within your career that you wish to establish that step. Like, you got to keep climbing. So if you keep climbing to get there, it's not trying to be the, you can't be the smartest person. There's just things that you say that they know, go to this guy. He has the answers and or when you come to a station, they're going to direct you towards that member because that person will go ahead and uh, tell you this is what it is, this is how we do it. It might be the driver, it might be the officer, but those are established steps. But reaching the pinnacle, that means you're about ready for retirement. It's about time for you to leave if you, if you
9: reach that. So, you know. Max, that gums right there anybody else got any questions in the audience I guess the hamsters now hosting the daggum weekly scrap I really don't know what I'm doing but I'm trying my best Corley's definitely better at this than me
5: <laughs> I was just gonna see if y'all could touch on uh, shift camaraderie like inside and outside of work and what it does for your crew integrity on the job.
6: Wow, it's funny you should say that because just the other day Jenny and I were we'd gone out to eat and I ran into a guy that we were thick as thieves. I mean, he was we were on the hottest ladder company in the in the city. We got to work together, the camaraderie, and it instantly when I saw him and his wife, we I, it takes you back to that time when all the camaraderie and we had good we had good dudes. I mean, we we had good people on that truck, but the camaraderie was phenomenal i mean it was just we didn't we really didn't have to work at it like you do today i mean because there weren't as many feelings involved as there are today well i'm not included in that group or but but we all got along you know the engine and the in the um the ladder truck we all got along but the ladder truck was really tight we did stuff on our off day on our off time and we did do go places and we did do things with families um they did have get-togethers and we made an effort and there again it's it's all about serving others you know we serve each other and we would have a good time doing it and we enjoyed it It, fact is you got to enjoy who you're working with first off if you don't there's not going to be a lot of camaraderie there and you're always going to have that black sheep somewhere you know not wanting to fit in but then again i'm that person that I want him to fit in. I mean, I'm going to do whatever it takes to try to at least get him to fit in. So, yeah, camaraderie's big, and it's it's been awesome for me. I love it.
11: So just to start, like, on the shift, uh, I think you have to make time for one another. you got to eat together, right? Uh, the distractions that we have available to us now are plentiful, right? The phones, computers, all that stuff needs to go away, right? Uh, and I think that goes back to a lot of what was talked about today you got to set the expectation so when I have company officers or when I would have I'm sorry firefighters and drivers when I was a company officer I would tell them right off the bat like hey listen we're going to eat dinner together we're gonna eat lunch together and we're gonna not take our phones out on the table now if you need to take a phone, family phone call by all means do it but if it becomes too much of an issue we'll, we'll get a basket out and everybody will put their phones in it right uh, so to the shift yes it's very important off shift I think it's just as important if not more so uh, you have to get to know their families you have to understand and I, I believe it was in your book chief that uh, you know if, if you care for one another the calls are just easy right it's easy to run a call when you when you really care and when you see somebody outside of work you might have that that infighting going on or whatever, but when you see them outside of work with their family, it humanizes that person, right? Brings it back home that, hey, this is a human and we need to quit the fighting. We just need to get back to work and care about one another. Good,
12: Strong, I don't know if I got much
11: after that. that (laughs) That's pretty
12: strong. Um, But um, after I think about 11 or 12 plus years in one firehouse, you build more than more than camaraderie, it's a family. Um, I always tell the guys that you, you, you break bread and you build bonds with your brother at the station every third day. And trust you're in trust on the fire ground. But um, that breaking bread and building bonds is extremely important as far as you building relationships with the persons that you're gonna be having to the left or the right of you when you're inside of the when you're inside of it, when you're doing the job. Um, but what you build outside of the station might be better with one member than what you build inside of the firehouse because sometimes that person is great to party with but not great to work with. Um, but um, camaraderie is extremely important to me. I do believe in everybody coming together and being one. Um, and that's that, that goes without saying that's how the fire department is. They truly wanted to make it a house of one so that way when you go out, it's a whole fist, not just a whole bunch of fingers. Um, so that's something that you got to make sure, you know, you ascertain and you, you figure that out if you're in the right house or not.
14: Right. <laughs>
6: Max gum's coming across the board. Go ahead. One, one last thing on camaraderie. There's a very fine line if you're a company officer. as camaraderie, friendship, on the job and off the job. You, you need to be careful with that because eventually you overstep those boundaries. And I think we addressed it today. You're going you're gonna to get that person that expects a little bit more than what they really deserve and you know are is it worth getting yourself in some hot water over um a friend not a friendship but the camaraderie you know you have to explain that up front hey we're friends but it comes down to it there's a job to be done if you do mine yours i do mine we're all going to get along just fine but it's a very fine line give it up don (laughs) sepp justin phrase thank you sir
1: Here we go. Got a Facebook question coming at you. Settling in. Hot potato. If you could, from Hayden, Hayden Struble says, if you could go back and change one thing about your first five years in the fire service, what would you change if anything? If anything. Whoever's feeling, we'll throw it at Justin because he's the first one up here. Convenient. (laughs) All right, hey.
0: What would I go back and change the first five years? Um, Tell myself that you're stupid and you know, nothing like, <laughs> like humility, like, cause you're, you're those first couple of years, you're really trying to figure out, you're trying to fit in, you're trying to learn. So you don't kill yourself and everybody around you. And, uh, I think it's like year three that you, uh, that's when I kind of started feeling a little bit comfortable and I probably felt too comfortable and go back and Hey man, check yourself, check your ego, get humble in a hurry. Cause I think, you know, I've heard it several times, but Chief Starner said it today. There's two types of people, those that are humble and those that are about to be. Mm. And just really, uh, in addition to that, is the the fire service is bigger than your station and your crew and the department that you're currently in. Um, like, Get outside of your little comfort zone and where you're at. Um, go out to these conferences. These guys are coming in so much smarter than we were at, at five years with the information they have access to just – Gets out, get outside of where you're comfortable and uh, and see how big the fire service really is and all it has to offer. Beautiful. Who's next?
1: Hot potato.
12: <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> because now I just laugh and stuff. I forgot the question. First
1: five years. Anything you would change in your first five years? <laughs> first five years.
12: Um, for me, I mean, it's just ask more questions. I was so quiet. Um, I was so quiet. I was very observant the first five years. I absorbed. Um, I absorbed, and I just wanted to absorb, and I would just be okay. And I was just like, you know, the fire service was a pretty shell shock experience in the beginning. Um, and just learning the job, I wish I would have asked more questions and just be more available to the fire service. Um, but I'm, I'm appreciative of where I'm at right now. So they say you are where you are at the right time all the time right on um so um although i do wish i asked more questions um it you know i feel like i would have been a been been ready earlier that's solid
11: tom so i i learned very quickly on and luckily i had a captain that called me out on it um i was isolating myself from the crew uh so I wish I wouldn't have done that early on in my career because, and I'm glad the captain called me out because as soon as he did, I was like, oh, man, I didn't even realize it. I would go find other things to do while the crew was hanging out outside in the bay. And that that bay is a very important place to be. When the chairs are circled up or you're sitting on the tailboard, that's where you need to be. And I didn't realize it. I wish that I didn't make that mistake. Uh, Luckily, he called me out, and I fixed it quickly. And it changed the scope of my experience in the fire service for the good. So that that's one thing that I wish I could change.
1: Beautiful. Where are we at? Live audience. Okay, coming to web.
10: All right, gents. Let's go kind of deep here. <laughs> Resilience. When you're thinking about resilience in the fire service Jocko says btf big tough frogman i think it's justin phrase and big tough fireman (laughs) what does resilience mean how do you accomplish it in what you do every day on the job
11: so i think you can only rely on yourself for so long for the resilience you have to surround yourself with the people that are sitting in this room, uh, my man back there, Kevin Fluger. If I didn't have him, I don't know that I'd have resilience. Uh, you've got to, you've got to have people in your corner that are going to fight for you, that are going to keep you going even when you don't want to. Uh, everybody in here, you're in the fire service, minus the wives and the spouses, right? You had to have the resilience just to get the job, and I think what you got to do is you got to look back at that and realize how hard you worked to get it. And when you do that, I think that it just keeps you going, right? And then when you have those people that push you to the next level all the time, and when you're feeling down you can reach out to and they're real because they are family the way that we mean it, then that's what you need. BTF, big tough phrase.
5: Uh, yeah,
0: thanks, man. Um, <laughs> you know, so, you know, I listen to Jocko a lot. Um, you know, How do you become tougher? Just be tougher right um no I, I think dorval talked about it earlier today um what's your why like sometimes like when it gets super super i'm excited when it gets shitty um why are you there who are you doing this shit for like what is your purpose like it, and dude i've been i've experienced the highest highs and the lowest low like some low lows man and uh you have to there are people that count on me my my wife and my, my kids count on me um my brothers in the firehouse and the fire service and guys i hear i teach with um people count on me man um somebody somebody's always looking at you man you don't you, a lot of guys don't even realize if you're at this conference today as a student as an instructor somebody is watching you you are somebody's inspiration man and uh there are people that want to that that would love to see you fail, man. So th- there, there's two sides to that there's the people that are a thousand percent counting on you. I, w- I will not let those people down. Like Dorval said today, I will not. I will not fail you. And for the guys that are looking to to see you fall, you will not see me fall. I don't care how much it sucks. I'll love. I'll never let you know how much it sucks. Sometimes you just have to put that normal face on, and uh, yeah, throw it at me, dog. Send it, and yeah, I'm gonna snatch your soul up because you're not this, this, that's not that's not what that's not what happened today so uh so, no um, it's just uh, there there is everybody has it dude everybody has it like it's not you're not I'm nobody I'm not special like none you know you just you just have it and if you want to be tougher just just be tougher be resilient
12: BTF beautiful talking phrase huh <laughs> I'll start it just like Webby said, good, Um, good, because if you're up on a wall, if you're up against it, good. Um, Your character is in line with your spine, man and or woman. That's what it is. If you can line yourself up against that wall, that's what it is. Um, You got to make sure you stand fast um, and stand true to what it is that you truly do believe in. As far as like um, resiliency, it's about your circle. Your circle, truly and honestly, I mean, I try to surround myself by like-minded individuals to make sure that um, I get as much as I can from them, as much as they're looking for from me. But I'm trying to eat or absorb, like I've been doing since the beginning of my career, as much as I can from them because I know they're still bringing stuff in, information that I need to get, that I need to carry with my person. So in order to be in line with that, um, I have to build a resilient nature to make sure I continue to do that functionally and um, uncharacteristically, like a habit. So if you create something like that, that you know that it's just second nature, it's automatic. Um, and just, you just stay in line with that. Beautiful.
1: And that makes it. Tom, thank you. Woo! 30 minutes on the panel. to is up. Thanks for doing Checking, checking for, checking for the Facebook questions first. We got some good audience questions coming at you. Scrolling, scrolling. There we go. Front bumper talks. Question for the audience. Yeah, there we are. All right. Where we at? Coming out. Coming to you. Megan's got a question.
13: Uh, Mine is actually for Raymond. Uh, My kid thinks you're like the coolest thing since sliced bread. So uh, I was wondering if, for him, if you would do your Slay the Dragon (laughs) spiel.
12: Slay the Dragon line. What's funny, I just told Amanda no. And I'm not sure if she put you up to it. Um, (laughs) but, um, But I will. But I will tell you the backstory. So I met her in Miami. Did you guys come down with her in Miami? Okay, you came down with her. Not with her, but we know her. Okay. She came to Miami, and uh, the function was over. And um, and I was just sitting at a booth or something, and she comes to me with a book, a book with a Dalmatian. I happen to love 101 Dalmatians. Anyway, that's not even the story. But um, she comes with a book, and she says to me, um, my nephew is... One of your greatest fans. I'm like, for real? That's crazy. And I'm like, how old is he? So I'm thinking he's like 16, um, 20. How old is he again? He's seven. Uh, and he she says, I says, um, what, is he, what does he what does she need? Just for you to sign this. And I was I sat down quickly, and I signed that book. She said that's all that's all he would want for you to sign that. Um, I'm not sure how. Um, spiritual you guys are but i know everybody's reaching for something there's something that you're reaching for um something somewhere has pulled you um out of this atmosphere whenever you close your eyes and that that's one of the moments when i do speak i truly hope that i could pull something out of you uh, make make you actually truly think about what it is that you're what you have in front of you what can you accomplish um and i will i will do that for you
1: come come down front
12: max points (laughs) this is max daggums every now and again the dragon rears its head so the 5th battalion arrives to plead its case they say that the men from battalion 5 they roam with the dragons and sleep in the woods they take the oxes and the hurricanes, and they murder them. They plunge the pike poles in the ceiling. Savage beasts they are. They approach the dragon fearlessly, cool, calm, and collected. Their heartbeats beats, never in above 60 beats per minute. Have you heard of them? They say that these men are brave men, strong men. They go in a fire, a wee boy, and they come out of mine. Have you seen them? Soot collected on the fish shield, and they wipe it. Smoke bank down so they get low to fight the dragon. Still, steadfast and through, they push forward. Yeah, grab your ox. Ye, grab your holligan and ride with me into the heart of Valhalla as we push back the dragon. <laughs> Amanda, that's
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. Uh, all right, who's got one? Who's got a question coming? Swing it over, Robert. Sip. Sip.
10: <laughs> <laughs> I got. I got a softball one for y'all. So you can just,
14: just kill you. a shit out of the yeah, dragon. Yeah, you will be good. Uh, what's I uh, want to hear each and one of y'all's take on mentorship, the importance of mentorship, and uh, mentorship programs in uh, your
13: departments. You said in the department or as a whole? Okay. Yeah. um, Man, I, I believe it's the people you surround yourself with. I think it's one of those things that you don't necessarily approach that person and say, hey, I want you to be my mentor, but it's just the beginning of conversations that you have with them. Because, again, like I said earlier, I think there are people in this career that you look at and you're like, man, it'd be really cool to get to know them, and you get to know them And it's just not for you, you know, whatever that looks like and for whatever reason. But I believe that you get to know and talk with people, especially at conferences like this. And, um, man, I'll I'll be honest, Andy Starnes is one of those people that was a mentor for me. And he didn't even know it. We had a two-hour-long conversation before Next Run got started. And he's like, hey, man, I just want you to know what you're about to get into. And he just kind of walked me through all of that And that was one of the most influential conversations I've ever had with anyone on just what I was about to really put myself into, what I was about to put my family into. And uh, I mean, and I didn't know him from Adam, honestly. Someone's like, hey, here's a guy. I want you to call him and just talk with him for a couple of minutes or whatever. Just ask him your questions and and see how that helps. So um, sometimes I think you just kind of fall into it. You see the people that you surround yourself with. And do you want to further that relationship? How do you want to keep them do you want to keep them closer do you want to keep them far away and you kind of make that judgment call and just kind of see who they are as a person and, and move forward from there
0: man so uh so a lot of a lot of people here know my fire chief uh chief thompson we're, we're real big on mentorship in the colony and know yeah, there's 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 different types of mentors you know, or different types of mentorship you've got kind of like the formal mentorship and uh, that's something we're, we're bigging in the Colony Fire Department, and you're assigned a mentor when you come to work there. And these are guys that are kind of sh- teaching you, like the Colony way, the way we do things in our fire department, and uh, kind of guide you down the right path. And you have those, you know, the your your, your other mentors. So they're and they're, they're guys that you just look up to in the fire service, or in life in general. Doesn't have to necessarily be a, a, a someone in the fire service. But I think of mentorship a lot like leadership, right? So in the absence of leadership or in the absence of you know a formal mentor or somebody who's actually there somebody's mentoring you all the time and whether it's it could be the you know, somebody's going to fill that mentorship void and uh they could possibly mentor you the wrong way right so um finding guys that you that you look up to that you want to emulate um and you know guys that are approachable you know like you i've heard that you know hey don't ever meet your heroes because you don't want to be disappointed right and uh what I've really found, what's been really cool in my fire service career, is especially in the last few years, is you know, interacting with these guys on social media. Like, I have mentors that don't even know they're my mentor. Like, I've never met them. Like, but these guys have been mentoring me because I follow kind of their teaching, and then to to actually meet a lot of these guys in person and uh, find out that they are legit. These guys are as advertised, and then develop these relationships with these guys. And they're people that I call all the time, or they're guys that call me. You, know, you and I talk. Right, Um, so it's it's a huge part of your growth in the fire service. So you can either choose a mentor, or um, something else is going to be be intentional about the mentors that you choose, or or you're going to be mentored in a passive way that you didn't even see coming,
12: and maybe the wrong way. Beautiful. Yeah, these guys kind of answered the. I like it. The question. Because
1: you killed it with the Scottish and slaying some dragons. So we're all good. Todd Shepard coming up to take. Everybody, give it up for Raymond Dorval. and the rotation continues who am i looking at who's got it i just keep walking around staring at people making eye con- making uncomfortable eye contact question coming found it <clears throat> what would be y'all's advice on helping people find their why
5: Uh, well, if you're looking for some cool Braveheart stuff from me, I don't got it, like Raymond. But uh, finding your why, for me, uh, has always just been drive. I mean, I feel like some of the other questions led into um, this topic earlier, which is just what Raymond preaches, never give up, you know, keep pushing, keep driving. Uh, a lot of questions, a lot of talk about pinnacle. You never reach a pinnacle in your career, I feel. Uh you're never going to learn everything. You're never going to be the best, never going to be the strongest. So uh, finding your why is difficult, but if you find it, I feel like those are the firefighters that get in their groove, you know. Um, everybody has a different why. Uh, a lot of times it has to be genuine, though, you know. Be genuine with yourself Is uh, your why, your family. You know, you guys heard a lot of preaching from Starnes today about that. That's He's one of the most genuine people you can see up here, you know. Um, but it has to be genuine you have to dig deep you have to figure out what you're doing and why why you need to find that why we teach a lot of you know how and when and techniques and and disciplines but we rarely talk about the why and that's what ties it all together that's the that's the glue um for me it's been family you know um i i'm a very personal person i don't talk about family a lot but that's that's been my why and i just try to dig deep and try not to let them down let myself down let the the guys around me i came from a a station that we had a very very close-knit group uh, some studs surround yourself with better people that's what i try to do and just hold yourself accountable was my why also just don't let don't let people down and especially who you're serving the citizens
1: and look good and do jujitsu
13: Um, I think it's one of those things that, like Todd said, it's just let it come genuinely. Like, just let it come when it comes. I think we can – force that a lot especially now like there are so many things that people do that people teach and that they have found their why and we really look up to that and I think there's a great place for that for us to look up to people to really just see what they do and appreciate that and sometimes we can really appreciate that to the point where like man that'd be really cool to do I want to try and do that which isn't a bad thing but if it's not genuinely what you want to do and what you're created to do, then it's not going to be successful in the long run. And there are so many things like that. There are a lot of hot button, you know, topics that we could choose from. the The, the fire service is kind of a revolving door. There are things that go away and disappear, and then they come back again. Uh, like there, there's just so many different things. I, so I think Todd nailed on the head when he said, just be genuine with it. And so, man, honestly, I look at some of these guys and. I think that they probably have all been teachers, but some of them come into it later in their careers. Uh, Some people come into it earlier in their careers. I don't think there's any really rhyme or reason as to when that comes in your life. You just know what it is and that you're passionate about it and it's something that... You can't foresee yourself being, you know, without or being a part or or being not a part of. So I think that's probably the biggest part of it. Let it be genuine and let it be something that's really heavy on your heart to the point where it does consume you.
1: How do I follow
0: that? Um, So, like, helping somebody find their why. um, Man, so I think it, 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 it... Who's your target audience? The guy that's that's bringing to you, like helping you helping them find their why? Is it a new guy? Um, I always back up if it's if it's a firefighter, like hey man, like and we're and we're talking about fire service related things. Like, why did you get started? Like, what was your like what was in your mind? Like, what was in your heart that you just say, hey man, I'm gonna go be a fireman? Was it like, hey, I want you know, chicks dig the uniform? And it's a cool schedule. I mean, like, if, dude, if that's your why, badass, you're here now. So that's that, that's what we're gonna go with now. But but I also think your why is a moving target. Like it's your why changes. Like that I was the you know, I just was either going to be a cop or a fireman, and like somebody's like, yeah, man, chicks dig firemen more. So I'm like, hey, we'll we'll go that way. And and but then your why changes, right? Like um you you started invested in this, and you 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 know you you go from that 18 year old kid who just is a jackass to start maturing a little bit more and your why changes so like my why now is not the same why that i had when i was 22 years old when i got started in the fire service and and uh i think you in, in f- helping somebody find their why it's really just having a conversation Do like why why are you what are you doing here now why why are you here now and uh if they don't have one then I'm like maybe it's time for them to do something else maybe this maybe their why has changed to it's a it's career move time or maybe it's you know hey you you, you check them hard on their why and all right hey I mean we we've identified your why now un yourself because that's a pretty damn good why um get going like fix, fix it and, and move on with your life oh, yeah. i love it
1: i love it all right oh i got proof i got holly i got proof i got holly
11: so, what would you guys say one thing that the fire service is, like, killing it on, and what's one thing that we could do better with?
5: Whew. We're hitting with the hard ones right off the bat. <laughs> we are <were> waiting. <laughs> um, what we're doing right, let's start out with the positives, right? Now, maybe I'll end with the positives, right? <laughs> so, uh, what we're doing wrong, I think, in training is missing that why, what we talked about just a minute ago. I think – we, we often try to we love the flashy stuff some of us do uh, in the fire service, the tricks, but really you know digging deep, finding that why and and that why ties into your your technique disciplines. And if you don't have that why, you can't really tie it all together and really understand a, a discipline well. At that point, you're just uh, a couple trick bag pony. Maybe you got one trick, maybe you got three, but tying that, That why into it is is extremely important. Um, I think we we miss that a lot in training. We tend to uh, want to do training that makes us look good. We want to do training where we don't want to fail. Uh, We we create a trend oftentimes in certain departments um, where, you know, the new guy is afraid to fail. That's a question earlier that I wanted to tie into this was, you know your first five years. For me, I was afraid to fail, and we beat each other up. And if you if you break somebody's uh, confidence down enough, they are afraid to perform. And I feel like as we're all alpha people, and if we break people's confidence enough that they they're afraid to perform, and we end up doing training that goes down that road, and we we are only as good as our, our weaknesses sometimes, and. That's, I think, what we're doing wrong in the fire service, and we have to kind of recognize that, hold each other accountable, and tie that Y in with holding ourselves accountable, not being able to afraid to fail, and not being af- afraid to say, I don't know this, right? We don't, we, none of us know everything, you know. I'm not going to be your dude to teach certain things, and I'm going to tell you, and and I want to do that training. I love training, but I like doing training that's fresh. I like doing stuff I don't know. And, and I, I'm not afraid to fail. But at first in my career, I was. So I feel like that's something that is going wrong in the fire service a lot. Um, Starnes talked about some of the missing, two big missing topics, mental health, which fortunately we're getting more open and talking today about. You know, that's another one. Uh, but uh, positive stuff, I think we're doing a really good job with the grassroots conferences like this where we're creating that bond that brotherhood that maybe some people aren't getting at their department that they can find here and then that's helping create that culture they can bring it back and try to build off that so i think we're doing a really good job of that i think we do a really good job at the stuff we do teach also well so tie that into the to the bad is the stuff we do are good at teaching. There's some really great instructors in here and, and all over. And uh, I'm I'm blessed to be here, blessed to come to these conferences. I learned so much. I'm watching you guys and, and coming to anytime I get a break and go to somebody else's class, I'm like wow, I just learned something new every time. So I mean we're I think we're kicking butt at that
0: <laughs> So uh, what um getting wrong uh yeah yeah just play off what chief star said earlier like the the mental health stuff and we're and we've we've been doing so such a poor job at that um and it's coming to the forefront now i'm glad that we're seeing some an improvement in that i know that's that's an area that i've i've personally struggled with that man so uh to see people actually talking about it and you know actually meeting other guys i'm like hey yeah like we've all been in this hole dude so uh to start talking about the the peer support and things like that that are coming up, uh, stuff we're doing right. I think it's uh, the resurgence of the mission and prioritizing the mission again. Man, I think we. I made a I made a Facebook comment the other day that I had to go back and revise because I was afraid I hurt some feelings, and I'm trying to be kinder, gentler, Justin. But uh, some of the effect of you know like the uh, like is why why you know, what are your favorite podcasts and why? And I think my why was why I like these podcasts. Of course, the scrap was number one. Um, <laughs> But, uh, muscle scrap. Yeah, muscle scrap. Dago, right? Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, uh, you know, their alignment with the mission. Um, and, and they share my vision of the fire service and, you know, prioritizing the mission and not getting wrapped up in the, it's, you know, this job was going to kill you. Um, I, it, us before them, you know, the safety BS that was pushed forever, man. And, you um, you know, that's what we're doing a good job is the resurgence of the mission and prioritizing them and uh, getting back to what the fire service is really all about. Boom.
13: Love it. Um, man, I, if I were to be honest, one of the things that I think that we're doing wrong, or at least one of the things that I, that I view, I, I feel like it's probably different from department to department. Um, I know that can kind of change things as well. But personally, I, I think <laughs> – I think this is bold, I guess, maybe, but I think that we've moved away from where the the chief officers or the, the higher ups are actually blue collar and they're there for the right reason. Um, you know, I just I feel like that is such a huge issue because there's so much that trickles down from the top like we can try and and do what we can from where we are and we can keep the morale as high as we can within our firehouse with our crews and things of that nature man I'm not an officer I ride backwards that's where I enjoy being at this moment but that's one of the things that I view as such an issue is that the people who are there they're not there for the right reasons and they just they make it there and they won't leave they won't allow people to do the things that they actually really need to do for the community and in the best way there's not as of an aggressive tactic at times depending on what department you're at and I just see that as such a a big issue and it spills over onto the battalion chiefs and some of the officers if they allow it to and it just makes it really hard for them to to really be able to do the things that they want to do now if you have people who are willing to push those buttons which some officers are and that's incredible because we, we need that at times we need pushback but To me, that's where I see that we're failing a lot is that there's not actually blue-collar people in those positions who love the job for the right reasons. Um, Preach it, Blake. (laughs) As far as as the right things that we're doing, man, I I, I do. The mission is great. We're really seeing that being rekindled in that sense. I mean, I haven't been in the fire service too long, um, but I even remember when I was coming up, it's like, hey, man, the, the first priority is you. And I was like, dude, this sounds so backwards, you know what I mean? And, and so to see that being um, kind of rescripted and redirected to going back to the people there uh, who actually need us, uh, so I feel like those kind of go hand in hand with the issue and uh, we are seeing, uh, I think, some good progress there, but there's still some issues at the top we got to fix as well. Love it. Love it. Love the message. Give it up. Justin Fraze.
1: crew, Daddy. And the carousel continues. There has not been a fresh question from Facebook, so I look to the live, Live Oak audience once more. Who's, oh, we got a hand up. Hold on. We get, let me get Pruitt in place. Lots of hugs. All right. Here we go.
4: Some of us that's been doing this for a while hit a stalemate within our career, maybe, you know, had some years without growth. What was an event or the switch
8: that made you rekindle your love for training, education, and for the job? Fantastic to take that one first. All right, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) I was fortunate, as are a couple of people, my dad was on the job. So I had. As I followed his career growing up, and he was my first mentor, my first superhero, him and his guys, uh, as I hit those personal moments where I was struggling internally, I was able to turn to him and ask him those questions, you know, and drawing on 38 years that he put in, here's some steps to take, and here's the steps to navigate, and honestly, I looked for those people in my my personal circle, one, that were going to tell me the truth, and here's the steps we think you should take and and could take and and i was i was extraordinarily lucky that a lot of those guys hey try this out as a three-year guy i went to the national fire academy for for my first time and i would bump into guys and other and they're like man we're still on a waiting list at you know 10 15 20 years at their department and i'm like it's still free right how are you on a waiting list for a opportunity that's free. And so I I found those people and I still look for those people that are going to push me. You know, tomorrow I expected to be I expect to be pushed. So I can provide leverage for other people. And so when those moments come on and they come on you and and I'll tell you they they come on you in the dark times but watch out when they come on in the broad daylight. For most of it's the daymares that get you. It's not the nightmares. And I'll I'll call people. I'll tell you, I mean, just a minute ago, name drop. Well, I won't name drop. I got called by a guy, a mentor of mine, and he just like, hey, how you doing? I saw you were going to be this, that, and the other. Let's just talk for a minute. And, man, just all of a sudden, never think that your battery can't go past 100%. And store those things uh, because it is that parable. Put that stuff aside because you're going to have rainy days. This phrase said you're going to have just shitty days at this job that you draw upon the brotherhood, the sisterhood, these moments that we're developing right here. You may look back on this week ten years from now going, yeah, that moment right there. And there's that boost. Because you're never on empty. No matter what the little screen says, you're not on empty. Find someone that challenges you and find someone that will be honest with you. And push. Nice. How do I follow that?
5: <laughs> How do I follow that? Um, <laughs> Self accountability for me. Uh, your this career is a journey. You know, it, you're going to have your ups and downs. Um, I think just being honest with yourself and drawn upon the brotherhood if you if you find a a snag but um just keep pushing keep pushing and find things that challenge you I've, i've always had success in that with you know digging deep if i if i have a snag i will look outside what i'm having an issue with maybe find it from a different source or a different um discipline and then try to drag that into how can it make me stronger improve and then build upon that kind of resurge myself. But, you know, th- this whole career is such a journey where you're going to be on sometimes, and, and then let's be honest with ourselves, we, we make a lot of mistakes. Right. And if you're willing to be honest with yourself and say, I suck at this or I didn't do as good as I thought at this, you can go back, you can work on that. And that's that's what's always driven me to make those changes or push me to do training that maybe I didn't want to do or was afraid to do right and um, that's what kept me going
13: I think I think you got to kind of find the reason for your stalemate and address that first Um, I I think there's different areas that can come from um, it could be home life that's causing that there again man there are things that are going on at home that would cause you to enter into a stalemate you know what does that look like Um, it could be wife, it could be kids, it could just be the time of life, you know, what's what's going on there? So I think, you know, depending on where you're at and what's going on, we have to kind of assess ourselves and, and look at that and then do we say, hey, this is the reason why, like is it my family and what we have going on there and my priorities are just slightly different right now. It's not that I don't love the job, it's not that I don't want to do it, but I got a lot of other things going on at this moment. So that could be a reason, like I, we're in a stalemate. I'm not able to do the things that I want to do because of what is going on so we may have to look at that and just kind of see okay how do I address this how do I move forward with this stalemate maybe it's yourself maybe you're kind of frustrated maybe you're not at um, the greatest firehouse you don't have the greatest crew sometimes that can be the reason for your stalemate Um, I mean there could be so many different varieties of reasons as to why you reach that and what that looks like but I think you have to make moves, you know, like you really have to research and, you know, like Ty was saying, research that, redefine yourself if you have to, what does that, you know, mean for you and, and, um, what is going on in your situation? But I, I really believe like truthfully, if, if we can look at it and truly like honestly assess it and say, what is the reason for this? Am I? I think there, and this is tough to say, I think there are times where we just aren't cut out for certain things as well. Uh, Maybe it's the house or the disciplines that we're trying to do that we're not cut out for. Uh, Maybe it's just the expectations from whomever is above us or around us that we're just not cut out for, and that's okay. Like, there is a spot for everyone, and we have to find that. Um, So I think, really, man, just looking at yourself and, and just being honest about what are my reasons Let me fix what that is so that I can continue to move forward from there.
1: Boom. All right. Chief Riley? Blake Stanett, give it up. And the carousel continues. (laughs) All right. Where am I going? Where am I heading? Right here.
8: Chief Starnes.
1: Let them settle in before before you hit them I figured
8: I'm gonna get some ink while I'm up here I feel grossly under tatted at the moment uh, yeah. So <laughs> all right
2: gentlemen I greatly respect all three of you you have a uh, depth of knowledge up there so I figured this would be a good question for you guys so in your opinion do we do a disservice to young firefighters by giving them the beautiful side of leadership the inspirational the motivational the here's what you do here's how you stay charged without telling them hey you're gonna face some hard times here's how you're gonna face them i call it the other side of leadership and i'd like for you to give me your vantage point on how did you deal with the other side of leadership you can you don't have to tell a story just be an example but how did you deal with that how did it affect you and how would you help some of these young people in the room when they face something that's not in the uh, supervisory principles book that they may have to study for promotion?
14: Well, I'll go back to the very first part of your question. Yes, we do. We do a great disservice because we don't let people know exactly the whole scope of what they're, they're getting into. Now, how do I handle it? Uh, you know, I. I just say, hey, listen, you know, for every bad day, there's going to be ten good ones. And that's the truth. You know, there, There's people, and, and I'm not going to take credit for any of this, because every one of these incidents that I look at, I was part of a team. But there's people alive today that would not be alive if it was not for the fact that we did what we did. So... The bad times come, and a lot of times, we get involved with it after the fact. The events already happened. The bad things already happened. We can't change that. All we can do is go and do our very best to try to bring a decent resolve. And for every bad one, there's some good ones. Now, if we're talking about leadership, and and, and I don't know if I answered your question, but the other thing I would say is we need to warn people that at times in your career, you're going to deal with bad leadership. And it's coming because nobody's perfect. You know, I, I have a saying, I, I, I said it the, uh, last night talking to somebody, management reserves the right to manage poorly. And at some point in your time, you're going to be put into that situation. But understand that your current assignment is not a life sentence to that firehouse. And at some point in time, you're going to be transferred, you're going to move on, or you're going to be able to promote out of that situation and now focus on the good that you're able to do for your community. So that's, that's my answer.
8: Uh, I agree with what Chief said, and, and yes, the disservice. Rob Ramirez says it. A couple other guys. We're human before we're an operator. And I think we do such an interestingly poor job at the expectation we set as they pull in the back pad, and we set up this superhuman obstacle course that only they run. We time you. You're not timing us. We're uh, we set up this bs mantra whereas i've found in the guys that know me and the guys that see me they need to know i'm a human before i'm an operator i'm a dad i'm a christian i'm a failure and that's one thing my dad showed me and when i had those bad moments i wasn't looking for him to be a hero be a human You know, and I had a guy tell me the other day that my wife said that she's like, it was so awesome. He could have cared less that you were a firefighter. He said, you see good people on their worst day and bad people on their normal days. I was like, man, that makes so much sense. And weight was just lifted off. I'm like, wow, most of the crappy things I've seen, they were having a normal day. And so I found just in my past 20 plus years, if I can treat them human, they're going to have human moments with you. And then we can have those exceptional moments and extraordinary moments, but we've set that ground level of humanity, and that wipes away a lot of the bad stuff. Totally agree with both chiefs
5: here. Um, there's obviously going to be really great days, really bad days for leadership. We're never going to be our best every day, but I think creating, we do do a disservice a lot of times with the, you know, um, Sugarcoating the leadership, right? But the bad stuff, if we can create that better brotherhood, like we're talking here, we're promoting here, if we can create that better brotherhood, if we can create those connections inside and outside the station, then we can draw upon that teamwork and draw upon that brotherhood, and we can create better coping mechanisms and and instead of the bad coping mechanisms. None of us like to talk about our feelings unless we've created that that brotherhood right we're all brothers here we're all pretty i know most of you and and even the ones i don't know out here i feel pretty comfortable with coming to these and and as we create that brotherhood once you become comfortable we can create those better uh coping mechanisms where we're not just going out drinking a bottle of bourbon to cope with those bad days so that so leadership doesn't have a title it doesn't it doesn't come from being a chief it doesn't come from You know being a senior guy you know you can be five years in and have there's going to be somebody looking up to you that's the one year guy that's the one through four year guy right and and that's that's what you got to think about is that ripple in a pond right and sometimes your marks that you leave or other guys leave i've had some great officers and great guys i work with where maybe you don't get to tell them that and they were great leaders even in the bad days where that ripple in a pond, it it keeps going even after they leave, you know. So, Got a follow-up question right on top of it. Same panel.
1: No, excellent question. Thank you, Chief. All right.
10: Playing on what Chief starting says, let's get into generations. All right. Generation XYZ, Xbox generation, right? How is that going to play into what we just talked about?
5: it is Um, the younger crowd are very tech savvy they're very smart but they grew up in an age where they have a lot of failure and that they feel in front of them because they grew up in an age of social media so that social media growing up with that that we didn't grow up with the older guys they feel like constant failures. A lot of times they see everybody's best life. That's really fake on social media. So they're constantly feeling inadequate. And on top of that, they get instant gratification from social media. So you get these young people who want to solve everything and want it instantly. They want success. They want, they want to praise. They want everything in front of them right now without putting in a lot of work. And I'm not saying that across the board there's a lot of great young people too but i'm just seeing a trend where they they see these instant gratifications on youtube they see these instant gratifications on whatever they're following and they they get idealized with that and that hard work sometimes gets missed and and you know it takes a a career to build a name in this industry and it only takes one little incident to ruin it we all know that so you know that drive that hard work some that you got to put in for a whole career to earn your reputation and and earn it i think that's can be a struggle for some of the younger age but i think they're they're getting it i think they're very smart individuals they're they're also very you know they're able to speak their mind you know and they're able to talk about feelings too which some of us older guys don't you know we're afraid to do so I think there's a lot of positivity in that, too, with the younger crowd. We just have to learn how to, to build them up. We have to learn how to lead, be leaders to them in a different way. Everybody, you know, I try to parent my, I have a 23-year-old son and I have a 12-year-old son. I parent both of them drastically different. My, my oldest son, it was like this. Like, you know, you're going to do this, and, and it's, you know, very strict, and what worked for him doesn't work for my youngest son and and that leadership or that that help along is going to be different depending on different
8: different you know age gaps what's excellent answer yeah that was that was great there's nowhere else to go um, but like you said they they want the same things they're just coming at it from a different approach and If we show them the whys, we show them the expectation, the service that we provide and that they can provide, they are building things. Whereas we appreciate being able to climb inside with the motor, you know, a big block Chevy and do everything, you know, I watch, we have sons that are similar ages, I watch them build things in a theoretical world on their computers and on their games Those are the people we're looking for. They're solving problems daily that would baffle us uh, and do baffle us. Um, To tap into that is going to take us doing what we're doing right here and and what Jacob Johnson preaches. We've got to learn them. We've got to find out those things. Do I expect to become a Minecraft whiz? No. But if that allows me to have a conversation with my fifteen-year-old son, I'm the one not taking the steps that I'm demanding he takes. So, I mean, it's it's on me. And I ask him, I engage him in conversations. It goes straight over my head. The same way as, hey, did you see the clothes in the washer? What, Dad? Chores work. And if he's listening right now, I love you, buddy. Go to bed. Um, that's the steps that we've said we're going to take as leaders and mentors and supervisors. We're going to take those steps towards you to be able to hold you during those times and carry you. And it's it, like I say, it's on us.
14: Okay, so let me get this right. You're asking the guy with a Medicare card in his wallet how to relate with Generation X, right? Okay, I just want to make sure. Okay, so I, so I think, you know, in all honesty, there's a couple things. And, and I'll point to the brothers from the colony. I think you guys do this right. You get that mentor. You get the right mentor, okay, that's going to steer people in the right direction. You introduce them on day one. And if I was a formal mentor, and I'm just going to point at Justin because I know he's from the colony, you're a brand-new firefighter who coming in my company. First thing, I'm, I'm going to ask you, hey, man, so why do you want to be a firefighter? Okay, And I'm going to give you my why so you can hear it from somebody who's been around for a while. And I'm going to ask you, what did you struggle with in the fire academy? What, what topic did you struggle with? Okay, my goal is to help you get better at that particular topic and you know what by the way i kind of struggle with that too so this is not about me giving you a book to read and come back in a week to test you this is about me working with you to help you get better and to help myself get better and i think if you do that from day one with the right people you can start to move the generation x in the direction that we need them to be. And the other thing that I would ask them is, has anybody really explained to you, going back to the dark side and some of the things that Chief Stern said, has anybody really explained to you, have you sat down and really thought about what the true nature of this job may or may not be? And you know what? It's my job as your mentor to share that with you so that we can prepare you to be an effective member of this team. Because we don't, we don't go to fires by ourselves, we go as a team. And if the team isn't functioning correctly, bad things happen. So what can I do to position you to be a successful member up here, and those are the approaches that I would take. And you know what? That's going to work with some people, and it's probably not going to work with some people. And when it doesn't work, you got to sit down and try to figure out another approach. Because I will say this, okay? As being, you know, even, you know, Don, <laughs> thank you for be, claiming the old dirtbag title, but I'm going to take the old man title back because these people that we're talking about—they're your legacy. Because after you're gone, they're still going to be in the firehouse. And they're going to represent you and what you did in your career after you walk out the door. So we, the older guys, the old guy, needs to figure out a way we can communicate with them so that we ensure the legacy of our organization 50 years from now is the legacy that we walked into. The war years, the Terry Hattons—you uh, know the names. You know the Michael Godwin from Philadelphia. I mean, the names go on and on and on, and that's the legacy that I tried to ensure lived in my organizations, and that would live in my organizations after the day that I left. So I'm a little bit long-winded. I hope I answered your. Question. <laughs> I love it, Kevin. You're up. Thank you, Todd. Everybody, give it up.
1: On pace, the carousel continues. There's only one to go. Dad Gum, Max That Gums. Who's at it? Coming to the door of all. Get settled in, here it comes. My
12: wife had a question. All right, her question was How do you prioritize your career, family, and your
4: friends? From Andrea, how do you prioritize your career, your family, your friends? Well, this is bad timing after Chief Starnes lecturing us today on this. Uh, I took Chief Starnes' lecture about two years ago. That's why he's here today. Uh, I thought he was going to give a tick class, and he gave me a kick class in the fucking nuts of me not living the appropriate life of how I need to have my mindset and what I'm doing. And... uh, You know, it's obviously you need to be aware of it and make it more of a priority than anything else. Uh, You know, we we say we want to have a balance. Uh, I don't know. Until today, I've been about the balance, but I think that balance needs to sway more towards my wife without a doubt. And uh, I I think it needs to be clear. If we're wondering if we're doing enough, we're probably wrong at that point if it's not clear that we are doing enough. Uh, so I do have some adjustments to make after today with Chief Starnes' lecture and the other guys talking today. Uh, it needs to be clear that you are making that family first. At the end of the day, when we leave, we do go home. Uh, that's, that's all we got. The fire service, the calls keep coming. Uh, Everything keeps happening without you. Hopefully I can stay engaged like these guys are after retirement. That is the plan. But my wife will be there either way no matter what happens, and I need to realize I'm taking care of that today and not just worrying about it when that day
8: happens. We agree that Kevin needs to do a better job. <laughs> well, he's, he's got going. And... Yeah. That's... <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> no, it um. As as Chief said, and many people have said, the most important person that needs to know my why, they're they're in Arlington, Texas, right now, and the reason we do things and and i expect the challenges from her you know and then things change you know corley and amanda's your languages change you collect baggage along the way that you know there's not enough rugs to sweep certain things under and as you learn new as you choose to continue to communicate uh family first and as we prioritize our goals collectively you know and we chose to add children to that um Complications. Some days, with you know, the two young people that were in love, you know, we're now chasing young people that are in love and and chasing their passions and supporting our kids. Um, if I've done a poor job in explaining to them why that affects, that ripples through my career, that ripples through my friends uh i'm fortunate to have friends that have no clue what i do uh, unless they watch chicago fire or something and a, a exactly see yeah um and they'll ask the crazy questions and the stuff and so it's neat to blend that together um i think everyone in here past a certain age and if you're if you're in that sweet spot under five years on the job listen to what we're all saying um yeah i wish there was one more day at the house and you know many days i was already in my office before they even thought about waking up and going to school and, and it, it's just been recently the last couple of years and i will tell you find find a place you were talking about you know you're talking some of y'all are talking about struggling don't be afraid to move If we were to have that conversation the rest of the night, the sheer number of moves that have been made, and if we were completely transparent, completely scared to death, are we going to be able to make this next move? You know, that would be, it'd be just a long conversation. Some would come back up. I've simply asked my boss, hey, I need to take my kid to school today. Great, go. That was one of the hardest lessons to learn. The place is going to carry on without you. Now, don't be late to your shift if you're on shift work and this and that, but prioritize those moments. And those are conversations that build your crew up. You know, and hey, I need to be here for this event, you know, and be the guy, and you know, especially young company officers and stuff like that. Y'all have asked those questions. Be that human in those moments. Hey, we'll cover you. Hey, we're covering this shift because their guy's getting married or their kids got this surgery or whatever. Prioritize your people's home life. And you'll be surprised and amazed how well your station life goes. Woo! And so that's all I got. Boy, thanks.
14: Uh, I, you know, I, get, I think I'm the wrong person to answer this question because my wife's sitting out here in the audience. And, you know, and I have probably done the worst job of managing the home life balance for what, you know, like up until four or five years ago. If even if I got it right then. So I can just tell you from somebody who hasn't done it well, and you all can ask her about tripping over my bag when we were building our house in North Carolina and she was working a part-time shift, and that's a story unto itself. I haven't done a very good job of it, but I will share, being an older man, you get reflective as you age, and I look back at some of the things that I did and some of the choices that I made career over my family and I chose career and that's something that I will live with until the day I die that you know boy I wish I had that back so my advice to y'all is look at what you're doing day in and day out what your commitments are where you're spending your time where you're spending your energy and don't get yourself in the position when you're 65 years old looking back saying man I had a really great career but I didn't manage the home as well as I should have, and my career's over with now. You know, I, you know, there's a, you know, my picture's hanging on the wall of the firehouse. Big deal, right? But I still have my wife. I still have my family, and I will have them until the day that I die. So, my advice is, take your foot off the gas. Think about where you are, what you're prioritizing, where you're putting your time. Love it.
1: Max Dagums. 100%. Give it up for Chief David Pruitt. He did his time on the clock. We got Chief Chad Daly coming up to finish his time on the clock as we wrap things up. I want to say one thing. If you have to I don't I don't chime in on a lot of the answers, but if you have to question yourself on Work-life balance or fire versus family balance, man. There is no balance. Understand this. And that's what Chief Starnes talked about today. It's not a balance. If you're questioning that, your priorities are out of whack. Man, analyze yourself because there is only one thing that comes first. It is not a balance. Your family comes first.
14: Period.
2: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
1: All right. Question. All right, so as a new company
0: officer and you're communicating your expectations uh, to your crew, uh, what is the, what would be the number one expectation on the top of that list that you'd communicate? Uh,
3: even though I'm a battalion chief, that's been short-lived, so and it might be short-lived. But uh, anyway, uh, I've been a captain for over 20 years, uh, six, seven years on the job. Fortunate to have a dad retire and give me one of the busiest spots in the company. Ran all those fuckers off. Uh, they didn't want to train. And I was young. I needed to learn. And uh, they weren't willing to train me, so it is what it is. Um, I had a couple stay with me, solid guys. But it was a very difficult time for a six or seven year. That's very young to be in charge of a company and in, uh, in a busy area. Uh, but what I did learn through the next 20-something years of being a company officer, and I think that's – that. that I take pride in that. That's got to be my strong suit, uh, and, and there's no shame in that. So, and, and there's a lot of failure in that, and and I'll speak to it every day. Uh, failure is where you learn from. Um, what keeps me going? What keeps my motivation? That was a question earlier. My failures. So, me and him made it made a grab about a year and a half ago before I got promoted. Two and a half minutes through the back door, grabbed him, getting hit by the advancing hose lines at the front door. What do we do? We went back like. We could have done that better. Jesus. We could have had him out in a, in a minute and a half or a minute and 15 seconds. So, failures is what keeps me going. Um, was that a failure? No. But we looked at it as in how can we get better. That wasn't our top game. Was it the top game for a lot of people? It might have been. I don't know. It doesn't matter. We're not judging other people. We're judging ourselves. Me and Christian are looking at it. What could we have done better? So, I just got sidetracked, but but <laughs> that, that's my ADD and every one of us in here suffer from that. But as for our company officer, I'm back on track, a company officer, the number one thing I've learned is every day when I go to work, these guys need an expectation. He may come to work going through some hard stuff, a young man, not a lot of money in his pocket, and he needs to redo the brakes on his wife's car. Oh, We don't work on cars in the fire station, we all know that. but. Regardless, this is what needs to happen today because his wife's got to go to work tomorrow. Kids got go to go daycare. Shit has to happen. So, laying expectations down every day. I I can lay expectations down when they first come to the company. I want and, and I honestly I think that's kind of bullshit that uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read you all the policies. That's my expectation. I I expect you're gonna cut your hair, wear a uniform. Why do I need to tell you that? So my expectations from Chad Daly is that here it is, every day I lay that out. Sometimes I lay it out the day before because when he comes to work, I'm like, hey, I got this opportunity, this badass structure where we can force 20 doors, cut an overhead door, pull these locks. I want you guys to be aware that when we come to work, we're going to work and it's gonna be some real shit. And I will put my job on the line to train on an acquired structure that I haven't approved haven't got approval because the experience that it gives to these guys Uh, I'll put my job on the line for that Um, so but laying those expectations out in the morning first thing after the air pack is checked and their shit is on the rig that expectation comes within the first five seconds of showing up to my rig Um, but then it's like every day every morning get your stuff on the rig sit down what's going on in your life you get personal. What's going on in your life? What's going on in your life? What do you need to do? Oh, you, you got a one o'clock conference call with an attorney over child custody? That's important shit. My training can wait for that. Um, so we'll take a break during that part of it, and then we're going to get back to it, and we're going to sweat it out together because we care about one another, and we want to do the mission. We want to do the job and all that stuff. So, uh, But laying those expectations out every morning is the number one thing. I learned to be successful as a company officer that I got everyone's input and then laid out a daily plan every day. It's kind of awkward. It's kind of weird. But once you start doing it, just like wearing your seatbelt on the rig or whatever whatever stupid things we require to keep us alive, if someone just puts their foot down and does it, it becomes the norm. It's not that hard. So that's my take
1: on it. That's called max daggums. Who wants to follow that?
4: Max daggums, Corley. You can't take this one away from me. Max daggums. You tried to shut it down. We're not shutting it down tonight. This is right up my alley, expectations. And what I've learned, kind of the hard way is, it's the two parts of the equation, is the accountability side of it. If you're going to set it, you better be ready to hold somebody accountable. Because you can say what you're going to do all day long, but if you're not doing the accountability side of it, it really doesn't matter. And I really... I actually, with my new guys, I probably, I think it's 27 expectations that I have, but my deal breakers, I don't have one, it's, it's two of them, and it's, it's, a, it's a hard work ethic and a good attitude. It's a great attitude. Uh, anybody that wants to come to me with a hard work ethic and good attitude, I don't care what it takes. The day you fail in that box, that confined space box, or whatever it is, I do not care. If you're going to say, man, that sucked, but let's try that again, you want to be ready to work with me and have that work ethic and that positive attitude, I don't care what time it is, the middle of the night or whatever it is, I will make sure we get you done what you need to get, and I will work and work and work with you. So that's my two deal breakers is hard work ethic, great attitude, and we can get anything done at that point. And it, it's just insane when you look at it like that. I set that clear from all the way I'm part of our hiring board. I set it clear from the day we're doing interviews. That's all I need to know, what's your work ethic, what's your attitude going to be like. And then we'll follow up with it, and, and we'll, I'll, we'll hit some adversity with an individual, and they struggle, and we'll be putting in those extra hours. And I'll tell them, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Whatever we've got to do to get this done, you're responding appropriately. We will keep putting in this work for your career. We will do that for you, and we will lay this foundation.
14: Boom. More that (laughs) All right, let me see what I can do with this one. Uh, You asked for one. I think there's two of them. Number one is honesty, okay? I'm going to be honest with you, and then you need to be honest with me, okay? I'm not going to mess with you, I'm not going to haze you, I'm not going to harass you, I'm not going to do any of that crap, okay? Mo Davis says it all the time, if we got time to flower them in the firehouse, we got time to train them. And training's a hell of a lot more important than some of these stupid ass games that people have been playing in the firehouse. But I'm going to be honest with you too, hey listen, you really need to work on this particular thing. You know, you're falling behind on this particular skill. And I want you to be honest with me. I want you to tell me, hey, listen, you know, that last run we made, you know, you didn't really give clear directions. You know, that last run we made, I'm sitting there trying to figure out what you want me to do. So that honesty, that's a two-way street. we got to have that. And then hard work. This, look, this is a a blue-collar lunchbox bare knuckle job, and, and who who was up here, was it Blake said something about how chiefs are promoting and they're kinda of losing that? Well I hope that I wasn't that fire chief and I worked real hard not to be that fire chief and I think that fire chiefs can be that person. So that hard work, okay, when we set that out as expectations from day one, what we're trying to do is build that culture within our organization that starts at the micro level and I know I'm using all his terms but me and him are buddies and we talk and we share we're gonna start it from the micro and we're gonna go all the way up to the macro level and truth or honesty and hard work is going to be within our organization I would tell you my advice is to sit down and write your expectations write them out okay and they shouldn't be a job description my expectation is you're gonna wear your traffic safety vest when we're, well we already know that, okay? And when we start writing real detailed stuff, we're telling people they're too stupid to know what's in their job description. Macro thirty thousand foot level, talk about mission, talk about values, talk about culture, and then once you read them, can you explain the why you put that on a piece of paper? And if you can do that, then I think you'll have an effective document. Woo! I'm going.
3: All right. I got a question for Mrs. Riley. 40-something. Oh, you trump me with my 32 years. You smash me with it. 40-something years of marriage. Yeah. 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 To this guy. And uh, how many years of service?
14: Uh, 49.
3: Okay. Would you... T- yeah. 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 To both of you. What advice would you have for a young... Firefighter, male or female, to their spouse. I think it would be applicable either way. I know the grown the grown pains I went through and other people are going through, <laughs> but you have more than me. What advice would you have for that spouse of a firefighter person going into the fire service?
4: Open communication. Communication. We've had problems with it early on, but we overcame those problems. But you have to be honest. Um, We're to the point now where I can say, this is where I have a problem. This is where we need to work. But communication and honesty and lots of love.
14: And she's kind of hard to hear, and, and her vision isn't all that great, so that puts me at a tremendous
10: advantage.
14: <laughs> I'm, saying, I'm saying that on me. She's a lot better looking than you. Well, <laughs> absolutely. So that's, a, that's, a, that's max
0: dad gums to the max dad gum power.
10: That's right. That's
1: right. 100% Live Oak, Texas. Uh, what you got?
4: No. I got no. something to close out
1: when we close. You ready
4: to close?
1: When we close, I got. Something. I'm about to do. Hope the tone stay silent. So you better close it.
4: I just got one thing. Turn it on. As we close this out. So, obviously, we got a lot of special stuff going on in the fire service. You know, we got some shirts going on. The time is now. Uh, It's a unique aspect with the social media that's going on, these micro conferences and everything else. Uh, But we got to get over the hump. And to me, to get over that hump, I think that there is a bunch of BS that is going on in the fire service where people are in some of this for the wrong reasons and they're willing to tear each other down and uh, doing whatever it takes to build themselves up. Uh, When we see that and we recognize that, we need to shut that stuff down because by not calling that out, that is what's keeping us from going to the next level with what we're trying to do with the fire service. We only get one chance with this. We only have so many years left. Chief Starnes broke it down, the time that we have left in the fire service, the time we have left in our relationships and everything else. We're supposed to make this better than what we found it. We only have so much time to do that. So we're doing a lot of right, but we're not doing enough is shutting down the BS when it does pop up. If 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 we're dealing with somebody that's in on a shift that's cancerous or a department that's cancerous or that's around us, a lot of times we just, you know, we turn a blind eye and we look away and we kinda of do with it because that's that's what we're used to doing or that's what we that's kinda of the easy thing to do. But when you look at what the right thing to do is, usually it's the harder thing to do, and that's take action. And if there was ever a time to take action to shut that stuff down, to progress with what we're trying to do on the positive side of things, now is the time to do that. So I just really, really, really want to promote that message, man. Respectfully, obviously, and professionally shut it down. But don't allow it no more. Hold people accountable. Don't be afraid to say something respectfully to somebody. Man, I don't stand up for that, and I think you're wrong. And I'm sorry, there's no place for this of what you're doing. Stuff like that will help facilitate this to get this to the, not just the next step, but the next step and the next step of where this fire service is headed.
1: Big hands for Max Dagum, Kevin Pflueger. And that officially brings the live weekly scrap, the Dagum weekly scrap to a close. Uh, Man, audience, both Facebook and live. I can't say thank you enough, 100%. Yes, give yourself a hand. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say I hope the tone stays silent and I want everybody out there to say everybody stay safe out there. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.